Welcome to the Expository Word Podcast, where you can hear classic recorded messages from Kimber Kaufman. Throughout these messages, Kimber faithfully follows the text to deliver God's message and to practically apply it to life. Every born-again believer has been gifted by the Holy Spirit to have a special ministry in the body of Christ that, that the body will not be complete without and you will not be complete without using it. We trust you will enjoy listening to these classic recordings. And in just a moment, we will join our teacher with the message. We believe that some of our listeners may have additional recorded messages from Kimber at home. If you have a cassette and would consider sharing a recording with our audience, please contact us through our email at theexpositoryword at gmail.com. Today, Kimber continues teaching through the Word, and our hope is that you will be challenged and encouraged by listening in. Let's turn now to Kimber. The scriptures say that the, the unsaved people live without purpose, that there, that there is uh, no clear view of what really life is about, that we have been created by a God who has His here for a purpose and that there is an intended end that all things will come to. In fact, I think the Apostle says we make it our goal to please Him. And he goes on to say that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive the things that we have done in the body according to that which they have been, whether good or bad. And if we are to have a purpose in life, then we should be constantly thinking about a biblical perspective on life. Um, it was interesting to me to um, hear um, men th- throughout the ages, even unsaved men who are great men, yet who do not know the Lord, but they have a very big purpose in life. They're, they're focused, they're single-minded to accomplish a certain thing. Maybe they're not even saved, men or women. But how much more did men, men like Paul and Peter and John have a clear purpose as to why they were doing what they were doing and they knew every day that they were living towards the goal of, of a specific purpose that they had? For instance, knowing that we were created for a purpose, knowing that we were chosen in Christ for a purpose, and knowing that we have been gifted as Christians, we have been gifted by the Holy Spirit for a purpose. Surely, we should live every day uh, with this in mind, that we have been called by God as Christians, we have been called by God to have fellowship with the Son, and we have been called by God to minister to other people according to the gift that the Holy Spirit has given us. That ought to be on our mind. You do not have to be a full-time pastor to have that mindset. That should be wherever you are and whatever you're doing. And we are now on the Sunday night series exploring spiritual gifts and finding out um, what exactly they are so maybe we can find out what they are. Uh, you may find out what yours is, in other words. For instance, we've covered so far two weeks of introduction to spiritual gifts and then the gift of service, um, diakonos, the word for deacon. Tonight, we're going to study this gift of encouragement. Uh, next week, teaching. Now, I want you to see this. How many gifts are there? Quick review. The main passages are Ephesians 4, Romans 12, 1 Peter 4, and 1 Corinthians 12-14. through 14. And altogether, you'll see about 22 spiritual gifts. What is a spiritual gift? It comes from the word spiritual and gift. And it has to do with a gift by the Holy Spirit or by Jesus or by God, all, all being the one, you'll see that in a minute, given to the believer at the time of salvation. It's not natural talent, although it may coincide with natural ability that you have, but it is given to you by the Holy Spirit at rebirth. Is every Christian gifted? Yes. In all four main passages, the Scripture says to each one, every born-again believer has been gifted by the Holy Spirit to have a special ministry in the body of Christ that that the body will not be complete without and you will not be complete without using it. 
Um, when is the gift received? When you receive the Spirit of God. And that is when you are baptized into the Holy Spirit, um, uh, when you receive Christ. And it is symbolic of what's going to happen here tonight when we have baptism service. Who decides what your gift is? The pastor? No. The Trinity. In Ephesians, it says Christ measures these gifts out. In 1 Corinthians, it says the Holy Spirit gives them. And in Romans chapter 12, it says God gives them. Now, I, I say that because that is important that, that you would see um, that the Trinity, because this is the way the Trinity is taught in the Scriptures, just like I just showed you. You see, and, and boy, that's important. Um, let me go a quick, another quick review, some foundational principles. Everyone has a spiritual gift. You've been saved by grace. You have serving grace. Everyone's special spiritual gift has been exactly measured out by Christ. Some have more of the same gift than others, so think properly about yourself. If you've been highly gifted by the Holy Spirit and have been very successful in ministries that you have, you need to think soberly of yourself because what do you have that you have not received, the Scripture says. And if yours may not be what the kind that other people take notice of, you still think properly of yourself. You are just as important because every part of the body is important. Everyone's spiritual gift is to be used for the good of all. Um, that's not Jeremiah 12, 7. That's 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Love for others is the basis for using your gift. 1 Corinthians 13, that passage everyone likes to quote on love is really in the whole context of spiritual gifts. And you're actually administering God's grace in its various forms. That's the words of 1 Peter 4, 10. When you use, think of this, when you use your spiritual gift, you're actually administering God's grace in its various forms. Man, that motivates me. Can you imagine? You're administering God's grace in its various forms. You, you, you are to use your gift. You are to use your gift faithfully. You're, you are to expect God's help and blessing in the use of your gift. And your goal of goals is to bring praise to God. And listen, now listen, everybody, look at this last point. You are to think of your personal relationship to the Lord, but you're also your corporate relationship with the body of Christ. That is important that you see that. Everyone talks today in this society in which we live about a personal relationship with the Lord. I'll tell you, you need to be thinking about your, your corporate relationship to the body of Christ. How are you doing in regards to that? Here are some categories of the gifts. If we had to break them down a little bit more, you can see there are office gifts, such as apostles, evangelists, prophets, and pastor teachers. There are sign gifts, miracle gifts. You don't develop them. You don't learn them. You instantly and perfectly have them, such as healing, interpretation, tongues, and miracles. Um, and we t- we'll talk more about that in the weeks ahead. There are speaking gifts, such as prophecy, exhortation, word of knowledge, teaching, word of wisdom. And then there are serving gifts. Faith, helps, management, giving, discernment, mercy, leadership, and serving. Now, notice the one we're studying tonight is under speaking gifts, exhortation. And I think that's a, it's, it's well placed after you start to see what our study is all about. Look at this. Um, this is uh, by a man by the name of uh, H. Wayne House, and that is the Charts of Christian Theology and Doctrine. And here you have the gifts, and here you have the description of the gift, and here you have the result, and here you have the example. Now, I'll try to run through some of these quickly. Prophecy. Service. Here, for instance, last week. So let's take a look at this. The gift of service is that of helping. And there you see the Greek word for the same idea of the word deacon, same word. And the description is this. Aiding others to do God's work. Giving practical assistance to members of the church. It can be the the very, very hands-on type of let me sweep the floor. Let me take care of this. Serving tables type of way. And it is to be used in serving the church and the needy that are in the church. And there is possibly an example uh, of, of a man that used that gift. Here's other ones, prophecy and teaching, but we'll see more of those in a minute. But let me just give you, a, uh, you can maybe read them a little faster than I can talk about. Here's encouraging. Here's the word, by the way, it's the same word used um, for Holy Spirit. And one person has said that when you use your gift of encouragement, you come closer to doing the work of the Holy Spirit than of any other gift uh, that you have or any other thing that you do. It's urging one 
to pursue proper conduct or to console. If the goal is encouragement, and uh, Barnabas, son of encouragement, is the example. Um, here, giving, leadership, showing mercy, apostleship. I'm just sort of uh, taunting or tempting you to, to not get, be able to get all of it, so you have to want to keep coming back. Uh, evangelism, pastor, teacher, the message of wisdom. Oh, that's a good point. Did you see it? You can't see it. You've got to come back. All right? And uh, th- there's more um, here. The message of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, and um, all of that. Um, and then discernment, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Okay, I'm sure you're all getting a blessing out of those. You all the notes. Now, let's focus now just on 12.8a. And that is this gift of um, exhortation, or the one that exhorteth. Now, please notice there are two things here. It says, he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that exhorteth, exhorteth parakaleo, and on exhortation parakaleis. Now, here it is, same word. And I want you to see, though, the different ways that the lexicon uses to tell us what this word means. And you've got to remember... Um, so much of what is being taught about spiritual gifts these days is conjecture. I call it horoscope theology. It's people reading into it and making things up. This is actually right out of some lexicons of what the, the Bible teaches in regards to this gift. It means to call to one side, to call for help, to summon. It is the word for the Holy Spirit who comes alongside of us to give us comfort and encouragement. It is refers to an address to speak of, to call, to call upon, which may be done in the way of exhortation, entreaty, Comfort, instruction. By the way, you can see it's used 109 times and translated in the King James Version. 43, beseech. 23, comfort. 21, exhort. 8, desire. 6, pray. 7, entreat. And 4, miscellaneous uses. It means this. To admonish or to exhort. To beg. To entreat. To beseech. To strive to appease by an entreaty. To console. To encourage. To strengthen by consolation. To comfort. To receive consolation. To be comforted to encourage, to strengthen, exhorting, comforting, and encouraging, to instruct or to teach. Now, to give even more of a feel, let's look at this word. As you can see, it's found 29 times, I believe, 28 times. It looks like 29 times in 28 verses. And it says this, a calling near or a summons, especially for help, importation, supplication, entreaty, exhortation, admonition, encouragement, consolation, comfort, solace, that which affords comfort or refreshment, thus, of the messianic salvation, so the rabbis called the Messiah the counselor, the comforter. Persuasive discourse, stirring address, instructive admonition, conciliatory, powerful, horatory discourse. And there you see, uh, to get, the, to get a, a feel for you know, what does it mean, someone who has this gift. Now, uh, I want to make sure you understand one thing, and another quickly by way, somewhat of review. That is this. All Christians are to be general practitioners. Please remember that when it comes to this idea of comforting or encouraging, we are all to be involved in that. In fact, I want you to look over to uh, Hebrews chapter 3, if you would, and look with me to verses 12 and 13. Go to Hebrews chapter 3 and look with me to verses 12 and 13. Here is an exhortation from the writer of Hebrews to these discouraged Hebrews. And he says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, the following. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But, what's the answer? What's the answer from having a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God? But encourage one another daily. As long as it is called today, 
so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Are you with me on this? Encouragement is so important. Every Christian needs to be involved in encouragement. Do you know that I I remember I told you about a a man of God and they said, how have you accomplished so much in your life? He said, well, to be honest, I've surrounded myself with givers and I've tried to stay away from takers. And there are, it seems, in, in, in almost every group, there are people that just seem like they drain you and they're negative and they're discouraging and they're critical and they're always quick to find fault with something. But what I want you to know is those kind of people will get their reward. The fact is, all Christians are called to be encouragers, to, to exhort one another. And how often are you to do this? Daily. Every day it needs to be a part of our lives. Some of you that are saying, oh, I wish I had a ministry. How about this? Saying, Lord, today, give every person you send into my life, I will attempt to encourage I will attempt to give a strong entreaty to to live for righteousness. I will attempt to come alongside and give comfort and help to whoever it is that you may bring into my life. Go over with me to the 10th chapter of Hebrews. Go over to the 10th chapter. And I want you to see here, in Hebrews chapter 10, it says in verse 25, actually verse 24, actually verse 23, okay? Let's go to verse 23. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Let us hold unswervingly to this hope. Don't give up. By the way, it shows you that a Christian life can get very discouraging. There can be some very dark and difficult and sad days. There can be some times where you may not understand. Let us hold unswervingly. And to get this, verse 24. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Now look at verse 25. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together as some, or let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us what? Encourage one another. Same word. All the more as you see the day approaching. Don't give up the idea of meeting together. Encourage one another all the more as you see the dark of times of, of the last days coming about is what the passage is talking about. So we need to all be general practitioners. But now what we're going to see is this. Well, who is this one? But see, all, by the way, all Christians are to be general practitioners in these areas and maybe a few more, but all Christians are to be specialists. And the specialists, I'll tell you, I want to have some friends. It, you may wonder, where could I use my gift? If you find out, maybe after tonight in some prayer and study, that you have the gift of exhortation, I want to be your friend. Because I'm telling you something, you can go a long ways with friends that are exhorters, friends that are encouragers, friends that are comforters, friends that know how to do this. By the way, one last thing. In regards to the second coming of Jesus Christ... The Bible gives clear instruction, and it says this, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. There's the same word that we're using for exhorter or encourager. And then later on he says, and that's in chapter 4, verse 18, and chapter 5, verse 10, he says, Therefore, comfort one another and encourage one another with these words. And one of the very things that you can give general encouragement to is this. When's the last time you've exhorted some other Christian about the Bema? When's the last time that you've given encouragement to another brother or sister in Christ and said, yes, I know times are bad now, but remember, there's a day coming. Like the song we sang, hey, there's a there's another city we look to. There's another time where, the, remember, it may not make sense now, but hang on to Jesus because it's going to matter then, you see. And to talk with that in mind. Now, let's then describe quickly what is this exhortation, uh, and, and this is just a, a word study uh, from this 120. 137 uses in the, in the Bible of this word. Um, let's, let's use to talk about it. First off, I want you to see this. This word exhortation, to help you understand it, to find out if you have this gift, is used 
to describe great depths of trouble. In other words, a person that is comforted out of tremendous despair. Jesus Christ uses this word when He says, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And that is the person who is mourning over sin, who is grieved over the sin in the world and sin in their own life. That person, when they turn to Jesus Christ, is comforted by the Holy Spirit and their sins are forgiven. Notice also it is the centurion who, whose servant was sick and he comes asking for help and there's, an, there's a sense of please come and help Jesus. And it's translated help. The word's translated help there. And it's also used of Lazarus. And guess what it's used? It says to the rich man, you son, and Abraham says to the rich man, you son had, had many blessings. Now Lazarus didn't. And now he's in heaven and he's being comforted in Abraham's bosom and by the angels. And it's talking about the comfort of even being in heaven. What a great word. Notice this. It's used with a clear sense of intensity. I love this. Do you know some intense people? Some people that are tremendously intense in the sense of they're focused, they know what they want, and when it comes time, usually a a person with the gift of exhortation is an intense person. They're after. In fact, listen, it is used, this this sense of intensity, I get that from, for instance, Matthew 8, 31 and 34, where it says the demons were begging Jesus to go into the pigs. Begging him, pleading with him. And that's the word translated, begging or pleading. It's also used of the man who owed fifth. You remember one of my, you remember my favorite story about Jesus Christ? My, my favorite story that he tells, the parable. You remember what it is? The man, one man owed one guy $11 million, the sovereign king, and he begged for forgiveness. And then he went, right after he was forgiven, he went across the street and he found the guy that owed him $15. How many times have I told you this story? And you remember, he takes that guy and he starts shaking him by the neck. Do you remember? Do I have to come down and illustrate it to you to get it? And, and, and you know, what does he say? He says, he says, he begged him for mercy. Please, sir, let me pay you back my $15. And he wouldn't. And he sent the guy to prison. That's the use of the word. So there's clearly this sense of intensity. It's used in Mark 1.40 of the man with leprosy begging, make me clean, Jesus. It's used in Mark 5.23. He pleaded, my little daughter is dying. Could you please come and heal her? That's the word. It's used uh, where Paul says, I strongly urged this person. It's used of the man in Second Corinthians who had been disciplined by the church. And now Paul writes back and says, hey, I, I encourage you, go out and win this brother back. Tell him it's all right. He can be forgiven. Go on. Um, it's, it's used of giving out the gospel. It's used three times. When Paul says in Second Corinthians 12, 8, I pleaded with the Lord three times to take this away from me. That's the word. And it's even used in Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the Lord Jesus Christ, that you present your body as a living sacrifice. And so there's clearly a sense of intensity. It's also clearly to be a part of preaching and teaching. Now, we won't go into all of the examples, but I want to tell you, in Acts 2.40, 2 Corinthians 4.2, Titus 1.9, Titus 2.15, and 1 Timothy 4.13, and every one of these clear exhortations about what preaching should include, one thing that good Bible preaching should include is exhortation. There should be comfort, exhortation, and encouragement should be coming uh, from the pulpit. So it's to be a part of, of, of that type of of, of encouragement should be a definite part of, of preaching. It's also illustrated in the life of Barnabas. If you want to see a guy who had it, go over with me to Acts chapter 11 and verse 23. And then also we're going to go to Acts 14, 22. In fact, we'll stay right there in Acts because we're going to look at some others. At Acts 11, 23, look what it says. Verse 22. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Now look what happens in verse 23. When he, that is Barnabas, arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, 
he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all of their hearts. Barnabas, his name is, by the book of Acts chapter 4, son of encouragement. And what did the son of encouragement do? He got with these people and he encouraged them to stay true to the Lord. Go over to chapter 14 and look at verse 22. It says, they, verse 21 says, they preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the Lord. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders. And it, it, here it is. See, a lot of this is encouragement. Remember what we've already studied? Out of great depths of trouble. One of the great things, you know, you, you know what? Listen, if the economy goes bad, I got good news for those of you with the gift of exhortation. If the economy goes bad, if we start getting persecuted for the faith, if, if, if things just really go downhill and we start living more like maybe people in other countries and other centuries have, have tasted in regards to persecution for the faith, you know who's going to come to the top? You know who are going to be the people that are going to be the successful book writers, if there is any at those times? And you know who it's going to be? Those with the gift of exhortation. Those that are encouraged you to remain true. Those person that can come alongside of you, put your arm around you and say, come on, stay on the straight and narrow. Let's go this direction and give you some intense entreaty to keep you going. I'll tell you, Barnabas is an example. But it's also this, having the right words at the right time. You ever, you, you ever get into those situations and you say, I don't know what to say. You may not have the gift of encouragement. Or you may have it. <laughs> Either way, so I, I don't know how much of a test that is, because you might have it. Sometimes not saying anything is the best thing. Sometimes, very rarely. Okay. Anyway, look over with me to Acts chapter fifteen and look at verse thirty-two. And let's see this. This th- this is what I want in my life. If I if I can have it, it would be this. Starting with verse thirty, it says the men were sent off and went down to Antioch, where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. You see that. The letter came that there was a difficult question being addressed by the church. The letter comes and they're strengthened. The letter comes at just the right time, this idea of encouragement. And then go to chapter 20, if you would, of the book of Acts. And look with me to verse 1. It says this. Acts chapter 20 and verse 1. When the uproar had ended, Paul sent for the disciples and after encouraging them, said goodbye and sent out for Macedonia. He traveled through that area speaking many words of encouragement to the people and finally arrived in Greece. So there he is going around at the right time encouraging and strengthening the hearts of the saints. In fact, I will tell you, refreshing the hearts of the saints. Listen to this. You don't have to turn there, but listen. The person with the gift of encouragement is like cold water to a thirsty soul. It's like, if you notice when it's getting cold, I noticed this morning when I walked into the restaurant early this morning, that there was that bitter wind, and I stepped in the restaurant, and they had the heat turned up, and I remember thinking, I just thought to myself, boy, that feels so good. And I sort of stood underneath the blower right in the restaurant and, 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 and let the heat blow on me. That's exactly like the person is who has the gift of comforting, the gift of encouragement, this gift of exhortation. They, they, they're refreshment. Listen, Philemon 7 says this, Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. The same idea is found in 2 Corinthians 7.13 in regards to encouragement. It's the person who knows how to refresh the saints, to strengthen them, to build them up, to encourage them. They have this gift. In fact, the word refresh now, the word refresh is an interesting word to study. And it's found 12 times. And it's, 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 it's tremendous to know what does it mean to refresh someone's heart or faith? Well, it means to cause or permit one to cease from any labor in order to recover or collect his strength. It means to give rest, to refresh, to give oneself rest, to take rest. Now, but get this. 
It means to give calm and patient expectation to those who are losing hope. Do you hear that? Calm and expectant expectation to someone who is losing hope. That's refreshment to the hearts of the saints. Boy, I tell you, I, I don't know. I, I, I'll tell you, there, there can be, there can be one person can, can cause so much damage with a critical attitude. But how good can someone with the gift of exhortation be who comes along and, and, and comes alongside and, and gives you the right word at the right time and understands the depth of the trouble and the situation that you're involved in? I remember, for instance, a pastor telling me, a friend of mine, he found out, went to the doctor and found out that he had um, MS and it, it was going to be a terrible life ahead of him with lots of pain and lots of trouble. And he said that different deacons in his church came up to him and said, oh, don't worry, brother, all things work together for good. And someone else came up and said, oh, don't worry. You'll be all right. You know, we'll pray for you. And he says, everybody that acted like that was of no encouragement to me. But the people that took me serious and said, oh, this is devastating and grieved and struggled with me for a while. What a great comfort they were. That person would know how to do that. In fact, it is exemplified during discipline. You know what this passage in Hebrews 12, 5 through 11, the great passage about the discipline of the Heavenly Father, guess what it says? You have forgotten that exhortation. You have forgotten the word of encouragement. Are you in hard times? Are you in trials? Let me ask you right now. Is there anybody here in hard times or trials? Are you going through some difficulty? Has God allowed in His sovereignty to get your attention some kind of problem in your life of some sort? My friend, don't forget the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, don't despise the discipline of the Lord, neither give, neither give up when thou art rebuked of Him. For whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth. You see. And it is the fact that it is God that is at work in your life. So even, even the, the example of of going through difficult discipline is a word of exhortation to keep you going and not to give up. It is also this idea of exhortation or comfort or exhorting is used of God. He is the God of all comforts. Same word, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He is also the comfort of the Holy Spirit in Acts 9.31. And get this also, it is also the comfort of the Scriptures. Don't you love it? These things are in it. Listen, here's, the, here's what you're like. You're like God, you're like the Holy Spirit, and you're like the Scriptures when you're an exhorter and a comforter and encourager. When you come along and have the right word at just the right time. Two more things, and that is this. One of the purposes of mission trips in the New Testament was to encourage the saints. When I started studying this, I realized that not all mission trips that missionaries were sent on were to do with evangelism. If you study the book of Acts carefully, you will find that a lot of the special trips, for instance, that Tychicus took and that Titus took, those trips, there was one purpose. They're going out to encourage the saints. They're going out to strengthen and help a little assembly of believers somewhere in, in, in the middle part of the Middle East someplace, you see. Now, what an exciting thing to think. This is how important encouragement is. And you can see that for in, in, in different verses. But then here's the last thing I want you to see. Go with me to 2 Corinthians 1 and we'll be finished. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Here's the one test that may help you discover whether or not you have the gift. And that is this. The gift of encouragement. The person who has this gift is one who has gone through great trouble. I want you to see 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 3, the scripture says, Praise be to the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. There's the word, by the way, comfort. There's the word. Who comforts us, there's the word again, in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. 
If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance and the same suffering we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also we share, you share in our comfort. And we'll just read down through verse 10 because it's such a great passage. Listen. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardship we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Now, I would just say, and not, it wouldn't be strictly exegetical, it would be more uh, a, a guess here, uh, I think a good guess, that the person who has the gift of exhortation, the reason he knows what to say at the right time is because this person, he or her, whoever it may be, has gone through some very dark water. And they, they know what it means to have the Holy Spirit comfort their hearts when life is at its worst. And as a result, they can look to someone else and they can go through some big difficulty, and it's seeing someone go through some difficulty and not be at all be intimidated, and not at all be t- 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 saying too much, but at the same time have just the right words at the right time. Oh, friends, listen. The church needs encouragers. The body of Christ is not complete without encouragers. There are discouraged saints. One of the things that Steve and I have a burden for is, especially when we go to pastors' conferences from time to time, is to see the amount of discouraged pastors. They're constantly under criticism. They're constantly being told that they, they failed. They're, they're, there's all kinds of problems. And one of the things we want to have is that, we're not going to call it this, but it would be a discouraged pastor's conference. One of the things I love to do, I would have to guess that if there is another gift that I have besides pastor-teacher, it would probably be this of exhortation. If, if you ever wanted to get my attention, um, and you wanted to tell me about some organizational thing that you wanted to bring to the church, you won't get my attention too much. But if you want to tell me that you're brokenhearted and in trouble and needing some help, I'll come alongside and help you. That's the gift God's given me. I want to be there to exhort and to comfort and to encourage and to give you strength. And that's the, that's the, the part of the gift. And, and, and I'm wondering, those of you that are here tonight, you say, that sounds like me. This sounds like what God has done. I want to encourage you. Some of this uh, can certainly be supervised. Uh, but a lot of it can happen. Just you being filled with the Holy Spirit, writing notes to people so that they get encouragement at just the right time. Um, you know, as, as a word spoken in due season is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. And, and there's a beauty about it. And, and, and making a phone call. You know what you could do, some of you? How about, how about turning the television off and saying, hey, Tuesdays and Thursday nights from 8 to 9, I'll spend that hour on the phone calling the saints and encouraging them. And call missionaries up in our church and say, I'll just fund it. I'll be able to, and hey, we're, and give them some words of love and encouragement that we're behind them. Um, uh, calling other saints that are in trouble, going to the hospital and visiting people, uh, going to people that are discouraged and giving them the exhortation. This, by the way, would basically be used towards believers. It would be used in the lives of believers to give them the, the encouragement, and the strength they need at just the right time. I can tell you, I can tell you of certain people that have had the gift of exhortation, and I can count on on both hands, maybe maybe my hands and toes, that at the strategic times of my life, they came alongside through a phone call, through a letter, through something, and I'm telling you, my heart received strength. The trial went away. God, God enabled me to continue to go on because of someone's right word at just the right time who was just sent by the Holy Spirit, I believe, to give comfort and encouragement just to what I need. And I want to tell you, friends, one last thing. And that is this. Please, please, 
even if you don't have the gift of exhortation, don't let the excuse yourself that you can have a critical mouth. That you can be someone that constantly wants to point out bad in someone else. There's, there's, not, there's not enough time. I'm going to tell you something. A critical person, you, you, they're never happy that they were that way when, when they're at their own funeral. They, you, you don't want to be the kind of person that, that uses your tongue and uses the words to all the time point out your superiority and someone else's faults. You want to be the kind of person that, that, that is, uses your, your mouth to give strength and comfort and encouragement. And you know one of the great prayers of my heart is from Ephesians 4 where it says, you speak in such a way that you cause others to want to do the will of God. And what a, what a privilege it is for us, those who have the gift of exhortation, to use it to exhort one another to continue in the faith. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank You for being the God of all comfort, for the Holy Spirit being the Holy Spirit of comfort, for the Scriptures being the Word of comfort and encouragement. And I pray, Father, that You would use this church to strengthen and encourage and help saints grow. And I pray that those that You have gifted with the gift of exhortation, comfort, encouragement, would use it and would be extremely effective and helpful to strengthen people's faith and to enable them to get through very difficult and and dark days. I also pray for those that have this gift that may be going through some dark times right now so that later on they will have ministry. And I pray that You would strengthen them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And that concludes today's expository word. Please join us again for more classic recorded messages from Kinder Kaufman. Take care.